Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. Today, I want to talk about what's the future of the Christian church. I want to examine the trends that are taking place now and see what our faith teaches us about the future of the church, and then also look at ways that our community at Holy City can play in this future. I'll also make a few predictions. So let's first look at where things are right now for the church. Church membership in America is in a complete freefall. Back in 1937, Gallup began polling with questions on church attendance. And at that time, 73% of Americans were members of a church. That same percentage would continue right up to the 1980s. It's a long time. And as we approach the 21st century, membership in church began to decline and decline rapidly. By 2000, church membership dropped to 69%, and then by 2018, it was down to only 50%. And today, post-pandemic, the drop continues to 47% of Americans have church membership. So for the first time in modern history, most Americans are not members of a church, and a quarter of all Americans today say they have no religion at all. Large, well-known denominations have been losing members, uh, we look at the Methodists and the Episcopalians who report a 20% drop in members in the last decade. And the Southern Baptist Church is down 15% in the same period. The city governments are reporting a problem as they deal with abandoned church properties, as many as 100,000 of the nation's estimated 384,000 churches and houses of worship have deteriorated and have become neighborhood eyesores. And churches are left with large properties. A report that I read said a denomination in one state owns an estimated $1.4 billion in real estate to serve 50,000 worshipers, a hefty $28,000 in property per person. The number of churches who can afford a full-time pastor have dropped to almost 50%. And those pastors that are remaining aren't very happy. A recent survey post-pandemic finds that close to 40% of pastors are considering leaving their positions due to burnout. So the church is in uh, a free fall. We're losing members. Uh, we're losing pastors. So why is this happening? Why is this all happening now? I'm going to stick my neck out and say, I think there's a couple trends. First, is a trend away from faith in general toward a more secular society. And we've many ways replace God with science and technology. Um, in fact, you'll hear people say, believe in science, as though it was sort of a doctrine or a creed uh, of faith right now. And that's very dominant in the culture. That's been going on for 300 years. But second, there's also some theological reasons, I believe, for the decline. Church membership is dying because the church has spent many hundreds of years not following the teachings of Jesus and not teaching the teachings of Jesus, to love our enemies, 
to forfeit power, to be of service to others. Instead of compassion, historically, the church has often tortured, even executed who, people who didn't agree with its teachings. Um, when uh, young people are asked what word, word best describes Christians, 95% respond homophobic. When I ask young people what's their biggest reason for not coming to church, they respond church. The church is now stereotyped into a judgmental place that doesn't care about people's challenges. And meanwhile, inclusion in the secular culture has increased, particularly in the area of women and gay rights. And that has not been the case in, in churches. Um, gay marriage, which became legal in 2015, now has 70% support from the American public, but most churches don't recognize it and they don't recognize gay ministers. And when it comes to women's rights, many CEOs are women, many of our greatest leaders are women, and the United States has elected the first woman as a vice president of the United States in 2020. But those same women could not be ordained in many of our churches today. And the complicated issue of abortion has been front and center this past month, and you might have noticed that the Roman Catholic Cardinal is denying communion to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on her views. I would argue that is not sending an inclusive message to young people who are watching. And of course, each month we have um, scandals of child abuse and uh, another megachurch pastor is found to have abused um, and sexually abused and harassed women. So young people are watching this and knowing that historically the church hasn't always been on the right side in the past, and most particularly, we become more aware of the church's um, lack of leadership on the issue of slavery and racism. So the church has a brand problem, and it's really no surprise that young people would see it as hypocritical. It's talking about compassion, and this is the way it behaves. So a type of church is dying, and that might be a good thing. So what can we find from the Bible as far as insights into the future and where this is all going? Uh, the word church doesn't really um, come up very often at all in the Gospels. Jesus does say that on Peter, you know, I'll build my church. And that word meant um, a place of gathering together. It did not mean buildings. It did not mean organized religion as we imagine it today, but it meant a gathering of people. And so there's not a lot we can get from Jesus' teachings that would predict the future. We certainly have the teachings of how to behave, and we've not done it. But many churches look to the book of Revelations, and, um, and many people interpret it very differently. It's written in a po poetic, uh, prophetic, and allegorical style. It's called apocalyptic, which doesn't mean disaster, as we refer to it today. It means a mystery being revealed. Many Christians feel that, uh, that, the, that Christ is coming again and that's gonna happen in, in their time. And so that it's a prediction of that. Our, our tradition sees it differently and believes that in that new Jerusalem is actually coming in within each of us and happening uh, to us. It's no accident when you look behind me in this church, we begin with the creation at one end and we end with the angels of revelation and revelation is very important. The image of the new Jerusalem coming into our hearts and coming into the world is uh, the underpinning of the teachings of our tradition. The name of our 
church legally is the Washington Society of the New Jerusalem, based on that. And the name Church of the Holy City is taken from Revelations chapter 21, that a new Jerusalem is coming down uh, from God. And so Swedenborg predicted some interesting things in the 1700s that primarily one of his biggest predictions was that over the next 200 years, the Christian church would collapse because it had strayed so far from the true teachings of Jesus. It would be hard to argue that he, that prediction is not coming true right now. But he also said a new spirituality would rise and inside of people seeking to do good, seeking to love their neighbor, and though they may not affiliate with what we would call the traditional church. To me, that sounds very much like the fastest growing number of people who do believe in God and say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. He'd also predicted that as the new church emerged and the old church fell away, there would be a period of chaos. And well, we're certainly living in a period of chaos. So let's take a stab at the future. It's always, it's always a um, unwise thing to completely predict the future, but I'm a pretty unwise pastor sometimes. So I'm going to take the risk and just give you my thoughts of what I, where I think things are going. So let's just say over the next 20 years, what might be happening? Um, these are just my thoughts based on what I'm seeing and, and um, be curious at what you think and, and see if it's true for you. I think the first of the three predictions that I'll make is that we're going to experience more chaos and that's going to create a rise in Christian fundamentalism. As the world gets more chaotic, more people are going to want to return to old strict forms of Christianity to find certainty. And they'll look for very authoritarian Christian leaders. And I think there'll be a rise in what you would call Christian nationalism, where there'll be very clear answers that will be very much tied to the United States. Um, I think why this is happening is that as the uh, things start, you know, if you want to think about a boat sinking, you know, it's going like that. There's going to be a group of people who will move to the dry end of the boat as quickly as they can, hoping to maintain it. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I think in the short run, we will see that rise. Another big change for church, I think, is what we're experiencing now. As you were all signing into today's Zoom, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, isn't it fascinating that many of you on this call today never used online services uh, before the pandemic and how loyal people who are older have been online compared to younger people who have got a lot of things to juggle. But we have become much more savvy with the positive side of, of technology. I think that opens an opportunity for us in church that we could create more of a broadcast model with you know, less preachers preaching and then build communities locally. Um, but I do believe the idea of one pastor, one church is, will fall away very quickly. So technology will have a great impact. The third prediction I would suggest is that we're going to, in the midst of this chaos, experience a, a crisis of meaning. And it will result in a new desire for a new community. So as church, as we know, it disappears. People will be looking for meaning and purpose in their lives. But they're going to be looking in the wrong places, such as politics, cults, and consumerism. It won't work. And this will lead to a moral and spiritual meaning crisis. The need for finding a true purpose to your life, of serving something higher than yourself, this will grow in popularity. And post-Christian young people who have no 
parents or even grandparents that went to church, will freshly reimagine church as a place to gain wisdom on their path as they seek to become more caring and moral people. The loss of community in our culture that we're experiencing right now will also begin a movement away from radical individualism toward a desire to learn how can we build back community. This skill set will be the church's gift because the church is still one of the last places that does this well. And we will be able to help in that building of community. I imagine ancient liturgies and ancient wisdom, like the scriptures that we read every week, will become more important. And these faith communities will be focusing more on equipping their members members to navigate moral and ethical issues and steering them away from the narcissism of a consumer culture. So there you are, I've made my predictions for the next 20 years, you can hold me to it. And if you wanna make some wagers and some bets, we can do that after the service and uh, we'll, set up, we'll set that up. But seriously, if those are the trends then we have to ask what's our role here at Church of the Holy City in Washington and all churches should be asking this question because things are changing and they're changing very quickly. I think this church has an opportunity to really fulfill our name as the Society of the New Jerusalem. And for those who've been here for the past four sermons, I've spoken about some critical areas that I think our church community could really lead on going forward. I think one of the hardest decisions that we will make and we will we'll be discussing today and, and, and we're wrestling with is the decision to leave the building. Uh, the new church has left the building and we must as well. We've worked very hard here to retrofit this lovely building as a tool of our new ministry, but we've really let the tail wag the dog. As a part-time pastor these past six years, I've spent countless hours on trying to fix this lovely building that doesn't really serve our mission and takes away from our ministry focus. When I first attended this church in the 2000s, I remember uh, we had to create a rule that we would, only sp we would spend no more than half of our committee meetings talking about the building. But often we'd spend two hours talking about leaks, renters, and other building hazards. I wonder what ministry and outreach did we miss when we were focusing on leaks. So as we move from this building to something new, we can offer leadership to other churches that are going through this same decision process. And I believe the funds that we could gain from a sale could empower us to have a ministry to a larger community. So that's the building. The second area I think we need to focus on is youth. Um, talked about that a little bit last week. We really do need to focus on young adults. There's a rising generation that is at a loss for spirituality. I find them kind, caring, loving, empathetic, and extremely fragile and anxious. And we need to shift our gears to sharing spiritual wisdom with them so they have the tools to navigate the chaos in our world. And we need to do it in their language and not so much be focused on our language. We need to make it relevant and interesting to them. And we may have to even um, do it through vehicles outside of the word church, because as I've mentioned, that brand is quite damaged. Partnerships like Soulful Life University that Cheryl and Katarina 
have been uh, creating and envisioning and leading, I think will be important for us to engage with activities like that, that will work with at-risk young people and give them the guidance they need without pushing down their throats some sort of doctrine or spiritual teachings and trying to convert them to a certain faith, but instead give them the tools that they can make sense on their spiritual path. After the building, after a focus on youth, I think we need to focus on resilience. And I preached on spiritual resilience. The coming decade that we'll be coming into is going to be chaotic. I know, we think we've already gone through chaos and we think we're done with it, but I'm not so sure. Having a peace that passes all understanding will be critical in this time. So teaching resilience, spiritual resilience to people of all ages will be critical. The next area that I think we could invest in is bringing a spiritual lens to the public square. We have unique role here in Washington, DC, and we need to empower those spiritually resilient citizens with the skills they need to transform our politics. And we kid ourselves when we think we can stay out of politics because we're creating a business or we're creating a nonprofit or we're focused on our family or we're just ignoring current events. But I've got some bad news. If we continue to ignore what's going on and abandon the public square, we face increased violence and we could even lose our democracy. So we need to teach people how to engage and, and build communities that serve the public good. So in summary, the old church is, is dying and particularly in the West. And as I've mentioned, I think that's the secular culture and a failure really to, to, to share the teachings of Jesus. And I'm predicting three tr trends in general. One, I think we're gonna see a period of chaos and a rise of sort of fundamentalism. Second, I think technology will offer new ways to deliver church as we used to know it in a hybrid model. And third, I believe we're gonna have a meaning and purpose crisis that will cause people to seek new insights in their spiritual life. And there will be new communities created and this will be the new church. And we have a role. We have to get outside our building, deliver a message to the youth, create more resilience within ourselves and for others. And we need to grow community that can build a better public square for our society. One thing I love in Swedenborg's teachings is that he points out that creation starts in the Garden of Eden. It's lovely, it's pure and innocent, but Adam and Eve grow spiritually there only to a small extent. They need to get into the world, engage, fail, love, hate, evolve. Through these struggles, the world ends up in a prophecy and a beautiful garden that sits in the holy city as described in Revelations 22, which says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No hunger, no longer will there be any curse. I think that's a beautiful vision of the future that we could build the garden in the city of the Holy City. And I think that's our role. And I'm looking forward to working with all of you and the broader, our broader communities in creating new partnerships so that we can help bring heaven to earth.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.